I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm glad to be here with my longtime buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. We're glad that you're here, too. It seems like tonight we have a topic to tackle, and I'm interested in it. It seems like a simple question, but it's nowhere near a simple question. It it brings in the, the covenants and the, the idea of walking by human effort and nature and walking by the spirit. And it just is a, a doozy of a question, to tell the truth. <laughs> Maybe a two-podcast yeah, question. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Thank you for the question. Yes. No. Where did we get the question? From India. India, wow. I think. I think. It was either India or Africa, but um, the question is, the person says, I listen to Joseph Prince a lot, and I want to ask this question, what is a true disciple of Jesus? What is a true disciple of Jesus? There's so many things to try and make clear. It is a good question. We don't really know how the terms are being defined, though, so we're at a little bit of a disadvantage because there are many things you could mean about what a true disciple is. But I think... He mentioned Joseph Prince. He mentioned Joseph Prince. So I, I believe he would have learned that a true disciple is grace-oriented. I would say that because he's he's definitely a grace. My wife listens to him about every day. And I, I listen to him a lot. I like him. I, I, I like get a him. Lot of, he's a good man. He's, he's good got man. some good insight. He's got some. For sure. He's got some rev. He he's, does have some rev, yeah. Yeah. So what is a true disciple was the question. Yes, yes. Now, let's do it like this, Bill. Let me ask you what you think 20th century Christianity would call a true disciple of Christ. How, how would modern day Christianity define a true disciple of Christ? Uh, I would say he ties on his income. I would say he goes to church three times a week. At least twice a week, twice a week in a Bible study, he has probably the Ten Commandments as top priority. 
not to break any of those. He reads his Bible every day, maybe twice a day. A student of the Word. If he's a true disciple, he's going to read it twice a day. Yeah. He's going to be a disciple Mm -hmm. by reading the Bible twice a day. He's going to pray morning and night. If he's a true disciple, he won't be afraid to even pray out loud at Denny's over his pancakes, even if it Good point. draws a scene. Good point, but he would pray in the morning and pray, pray in a crowd. Pray in a crowd, afraid. pray in the morning, with no shame at all, no embarrassment. Would let people know, probably got a tithe if you love Jesus bumper sticker. Right, probably has all the right bumper stickers. Okay, but that, that's about what I was thinking could possibly be meant by a, a true disciple. One who really is walking the walk and talking the talk. Not a phony, not a uh, go-to-church-on-Sunday-and-play-all-week kind of guy. He takes it serious all takes seven serious. days yeah. of the week. He's He's... Living an exemplary Christian life, which is a term I use quite often because, to tell the truth, we all want to live exemplary Christian lives. We want to be model Christians, and that's kind of how a true disciple is being defined here. That's what I'm hearing, is that a true disciple is pretty much equal to a model Christian. Don't talk the talk if he can't walk the walk. Yes. Yes. Someone once said. And so if that's the case, we want to see if the Bible describes a true disciple that way. How does a how does our Bible, the Bible, describe a true disciple. I know the phrase is actually used in the gospel. Jesus said it, if you're true disciples. So My I think, disciple. Yeah. Yes. I think we can look at some, some scriptures and we can understand what a this idea of a true disciple is from the Bible. Let the Bible define a true disciple for us. That's how we roll. That's how we always roll. We just point to scriptures and and read them out loud. And the scriptures rule the day. The scriptures rule the day. I think we should read some before we make any conclusions. Good idea. Some some verses. Good idea. Good idea. But I hope we won't burst any bubbles or step on any toes. We do not mean to... No. To be offensive if this Bible definition doesn't line up with anyone else's definition, we're, we're sorry about that. We're, we, we don't mean to be disrespectful or anything. No, hang with us. You're going to be encouraged, actually. It is encouraging. I think what the Bible says about a true disciple is, is a, a pretty doable Christian life. It's actually 100% attainable for every one of us. Right, right. Because in in the 20th century, to be a model Christian, the bar is set high. It's set high. And here's another one that probably, since you just said it, the 
the bar is set high, it's actually effortless to be a true disciple. It is. It is. It is. And the the idea that we can even question whether somebody is a true disciple or not, or, or, or a true believer. If he's a true believer, then the description of a model Christian comes up. If he's a true believer, or if he's saved, he will live and truly saved. The definition of a model Christian comes up again. Yeah. For all those terms, the same definition actually comes up. It does. Yeah. Yes. It, it does. If you're talking in the Christian circles. And freedom from sin is a byproduct of yeah. being a true disciple. Uh, uh, yes, yes. And again, that is effortless once we get the hang of this. Yes. So, think we should... What, what verse do you want to go to first, Bill? Let's let Jesus himself describe a true disciple. Okay. In John chapter 8, do you want to read it? Sure. 831? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so we're in John 831, and Jesus is... Maybe 29 and 30, then 31. Okay. Jesus is, is speaking to a group of people and teaching them in hopes that they will believe his words and become disciples, more or less. Let, let's say I start in verse 28. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me, and He who sent me is with me. He has not left me, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. And as He spoke of these things, many came to believe in Jesus. Jesus therefore said to those Jews who were beginning were believing in him, if you abide in my word, then are you are truly disciples of mine. If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay. So he said, if it, you abide in my word, or you could say teachings. Yes. Because a disciple means a learner. Mm-hmm. So if you're learning his teachings, you are truly his disciple. And he say, live in my teachings. If you live out a life the way I teach it to be lived, you'll be living out, you'll be abiding in my word, my teachings. You'll be abiding in my teachings. You'll be living in my teachings. Right. And this came right after the story about the woman caught in adultery. And right after that, he says, I am the light of the world. The one who, same thing, walks in me, walks in my word, walks in my teachings, will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Life. He's saying something pretty similar here, that the one who abides, remains, 
continues to live or continues as a good word for yes. abiding and remaining. And my word or teaching is truly my disciple. And they will know the truth, experience the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? What is the true disciple free from? That's what the Jews said to him. That it really is. It really is. And the, the answer naturally is coming up in the next verse. And so that means the Bible's going to tell us what the answer is. So the next verse, John eight thirty three. Let me read it, Bill. Okay, John eight thirty three. John eight thirty three. The believing Jews answered Jesus, saying, We are Abraham's offspring and have never been slaves to anyone. How is it that you say we shall be set free? And Jesus answered them. And here here is the answer that we need to understand about a true disciple. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave of the sin. A couple observations. Isn't that a double amen? It is. It is. What is the significance of the double amen? That he's going to tell us something about absolutely the new creation. Truth. Yeah. It's an absolute truth. I, yes. It's sworn testimony is what it is, amounts to. Yes. Okay, so he says, everyone who commits a sin, a single sin, is a slave to the sin. It does say the sin. The sin singular. Let me read it in this Greek paraphrase. Okay. Bear with me. Okay. (laughs) They answered him, the seed of Abraham, we are. And to no one have we been a slave to at any time. Kind of forgot their history, didn't they? Yeah. (laughs) How do you say that we shall become free? Verse 34. He answered to them, Jesus, Amen, amen. I tell you the absolute truth that every one committing the sin, it's the singular sin, is a slave to the singular sin. And committing is a present active participle voice. Okay, so he's presently, actively committing that one single the sin. sin. Yes. The sin, the noun. Not the verb. Not the verb. He is committing the Sin, a noun. Now, so we need to, one, figure out what the the sin sin is and how to get free from from the the sin. sin. Okay, and why Jesus said, if the Son sets you free from the The sin, you will be free indeed. indeed. Let's look at just how Paul described Jesus setting us free from the sin. Did you know that 
Paul actually describes it. He does. We're, we're looking in Romans 7, and Paul will describe how Jesus set him free from the singular sin that we're looking at in John 8, 31 through 33. Before you get started, I yes. just want to make a point. Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul, by everyone's standard, was a true disciple of Jesus. He walked the walk. But if you saw someone going through what he describes himself going through, yes, by sight you would say he's not a true disciple. Exactly. And Paul literally said, as far as legalistic righteousness is concerned, I'm faultless. I'm faultless. So he's a huge standard for us if we're saying that somebody who's a true believer or is truly saved is a model Christian. Uh, Paul was faultless. He had all the outward commandments down, but he's struggling with something inwardly. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at what he says, starting in Romans 7, 14 and following. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold into bondage to sin. I am of a human origin sold into bondage to sin. I'm a mere human being, and I'm sold into bondage to sin. Isn't that what Jesus said? Slave to sin. You're a slave to sin. If you've committed even one single act of sin, you are a slave to it. It's the same word there, the sin. The sin. That's why it's so important to know. That's why we stopped and paused and said it's the sin when we were reading it because it is important to know these distinctions but he goes on to say for that which i am doing i do not understand for i am not practicing what i'd like to do but i am doing the very thing i hate I totally don't want to do this. I hate doing this, and I'm doing it. I see myself doing it. But if I do the very thing that I don't will to do, I agree with the law. And I confess that the law is good, and the Ten Commandments are good, and holding up the law and being a model Christian is a good thing. I confess that. I confess it but I'm not doing it. Then he goes on to say, so now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin, the sin which dwells in me. So Paul's not even taking responsibility for doing it. You guys get a load of that. I I just read it off the Bible. I just read the verse word by word off the Bible when he said, if I'm doing it, it's not me doing it, but it's the sin that lives in me doing these things that I don't like. That's why 
Jesus was saying, you're a slave to sin if you are, because sin is in there mastering your will and making you embarrass yourself. That's what Jesus was alluding to when, when he said you're a slave to sin. What Paul is openly explaining to us now that sin is in there making me do what I do not want to do. Romans 7, 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my human nature. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. The ability to be the model Christian is, just isn't there. I don't have the ability to do what is good, is what Paul's saying, because he, he says, I'm a slave to this sin. The desire seems to be there. Yeah, he, he really wants to do it. For the good that I will to do, I do not. But I practice the very evil I do not will to do. I do the very evil that I do not will to do. He who commits a single sin is a slave to that sin, and that sin is making him do what he does not will to do. And you know, we've all had the battle in our minds. I should do it. I shouldn't do it. I know what's right to do, but I'm, I just seem to be wanting to do what's wrong. And you find yourself disappointing yourself no matter how many barriers and accountability partners you have made you did all those things right but yet you still see yourself sneaking off and doing something that you're ashamed of that's what paul is saying right here in romans 7 so he goes on to say if i'm doing the very thing that i will to do I am no longer doing it, but the sin that dwells in me is doing it. This is the second time he said, made the same statement. It's not me doing it, but the sin, the singular sin, the personified sin, the sin man who's mastering me. The taskmaster. The taskmaster is making me do what I do not want to do. Do you see how Jesus just simply alluded to what Paul is breaking out for us, what Paul is expanding upon? So Paul goes on to say, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wills to do good. I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war, making me a prisoner of this law of sin, which is in my members. This law as in a principle, like the law of gravity, the law of sin that is in my human body is making it futile 
to try and live this model life that I so desperately want to. It's preventing me from doing it. This principle that was never revealed to Israel throughout the 2,000 years they were under the Mosaic Covenant. It's just been revealed when Paul reveals it here in Romans 7, this idea that in your human nature dwells you're a slave. Yeah, let me just say it like that. In your human nature, you're a slave. And he says, it's waging war against the law of my mind, and it's making me a prisoner Wretched man that I am. Tell me he's not disappointed with himself. Wretched man that I am. Tell tell me he does not feel like a true believer right now. Tell me he wouldn't doubt that he was a true believer after he's embarrassed himself this bad that he calls himself a wretched man. He didn't call himself a, a model Christian, did he? No, and he's doing all the things that we're told to do to stop sinning. I was told, well, you got to get sick and tired of sinning. you got to hate <laughs> sin. And once you hate sin, then you'll you'll change. And it never worked. It I never worked. I see the uh, attitude of hating sin. But look, what does he say? What does Paul say? What does the Bible tell us? It says... Who will set me free from this body of death? Isn't that what Jesus said? And if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Right there in the passage in John that we're looking at. John 8.34 and 8.35. If the Son sets you free, you will be free. Truly free. Truly free if the Son sets you free. But he gives the answer. Who sets him free in verse chapter 8, verse 1? Yes. First he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God who dispatches Jesus to do for you what you can't do for yourself, and that's get in the ring with the sin guy and whoop him. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who whooped the sin guy for me and set me free from this sin that I'm so definitely in bondage to. Isn't that exactly what it says in Romans 6? Look there. Let's look at 6.14. Paul says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Look at what Paul says in Romans 6.17. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you are now committed. Having been passive voice, you didn't do this. Passive voice is when the ball hits you, not when you hit the ball. Passive voice, having been freed from sin, you became slaves. Oh, what a beautiful thing to be a slave of righteousness. Then I truly could live as a true disciple. 
If I could be a slave to righteousness. You can't do anything wrong. Can't do anything wrong then. You're a slave to doing right. A slave to doing right. What a beautiful thing that would be. But isn't that exactly what he says in Romans 6, 17? Isn't that what he said? What about 6, 14? Yeah. Isn't that another slave? Yes. Go ahead and quote, quote it, Bill. Let me see if I can remember it. Uh, (laughs) That's funny. For sin shall not be... No, let me start over. For the sin shall not be master over you. Why? Because you are not under law, but under grace. Sin shall not be master over you because you are not under law but under grace so let's look at that from the reverse angle okay if sin the sin is not master over us because we're under grace then what (laughs) then sin is our master if we are under the law or performance okay and we'll say that to those people that were telling Jesus, we are the offspring of Abraham, and we've never had anybody as a slave for us. You were, you were slaves the whole time, you guys. You were slaves to sin. You just lied to yourself. <laughs> you have lied to yourself. It doesn't matter whether you were not slaves to the Hittites or the Amorites. You were slave to sin, Jesus is telling them. And we did a whole podcast, The Sin That Nobody Knows You're Committing. Yes. Which was Paul's sin. Yeah. It turned out was the rich young ruler's sin. Mm-hmm. Was a, it's not an outward sin that the Jews could literally say they weren't doing any of the outward ten, but there was one sin, one of the commandments they could not keep, and it was coveting. Coveting. Because that's where the the battle rages in, in Romans 7. I don't want to do this, and I do want that. And he, the whole time he's talking in Romans 7 about this struggle, it's with coveting. I, I would not have known what coveting was, but what happened when the commandment came? The commandment said, thou shall not covet. And when it came in, I produced coveting of every kind. A coveting machine. Yes, I became a coveting machine because sin becomes your master when you're not under grace, but under law. And the same with the rich young ruler. He listed all the commands that he kept. And Jesus said, you lack one thing, give up all your money that you covet and follow me. Right. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And neither can anybody on this planet. So back to John chapter 8. I'm going to read the passage again. This time we'll read it with the insight that we received from Romans 7 where Paul said I am a slave and I know that no good thing dwells in my human nature the 
wishing to do good was in me. The wishing to be a true disciple or a model Christian is in me, but the doing of good is not. That's what we saw verbatim Paul write in Romans 7. So let's use that and look at this passage again. He said, Jesus said, I speak these things as the Father taught me. Verse 29, he who sent me is with me. He has not left me for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Don't you wish you could always do the things that are pleasing to him? Oh, Lord, it's my cry at night to just be pleasing to God. It's all I want to do with my life. And I fall short. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in Jesus. Therefore, he said to the Jews who were believing in Jesus, if you abide in my teachings, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What was the truth of the matter? Paul said, no good thing dwells in me that is in my human nature. The wishing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. That's the truth of the matter. That's why Jesus said, abide in me and let me abide in you and you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. That's what Paul said. The doing of good is not there. I can't do it. I can't do it. That's the truth of the matter. It's what we have to accept about the limitations of our human determination. We just can't do it. So let the truth set you free. Let it set you free from the burden of trying to walk such an impossible walk and give that burden to Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus said? Come to me, all you who are overworked and overtired, and I will give you rest, for my burden is light, because I will live the Christian life for you, and you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing, even though you try so hard. Even though your heart is on fire to live the model Christian life, you can't do it. So wretched man that I am is truth number one. Yes. If you got that truth, you're not tempted to do any weak, wimpy solutions to the sin problem. Right. You are actually set free from yourself. If you quit trying to put confidence in yourself, you have finally gotten set free from yourself. You're being saved from yourself and the sin guy that dwells in you, that is in your human nature. The truth shall set you free. Get free of yourself. So in Romans 7, Paul is describing the sin as a slave master or a taskmaster. Yes. In Romans 5, which is right before Romans 6, he describes the sin as reigning like a tyrannical king. He sure does, doesn't he? That's a good point, Bill. What do they call those? You're one of his subjects? Yes, yes. You have to do whatever the king 
tells you to do. Yes, nevertheless, sin reigned until Moses. And sin reigned like a king through death. And death was that description of the feeling Paul was having in Romans 7. Yes. Sin sprang to life and I died. Sin deceived Paul. Sin reigned like a king over Paul. Sin ordered him around like a taskmaster. And then in Romans 6, it starts out and says, so what shall we say? Shall we continue in the sin that grace may increase? Because he's already said grace would increase at the end of chapter 5. And he gives a really interesting answer, doesn't he? The things that you know. The truth may that it you know. never be. Or don't you know? Know what? Well, <laughs> one, that you can't won't sin. Right. You can't get free from sin. But more importantly, Romans 5, starting at 12, talks about that you died to the sin through the death of Christ, that you lived a perfect life. You were given credit for living a perfect life under the law through Jesus Christ. And that the sin was destroyed and judged and you are set free and you are now considered righteous. Amen. And that sin cannot master you anymore. Yes, amen. We learned that in 6. But so Romans 6, 1 says... Shall we continue in, and it, again, it's the, the sin. sin. Is it continue the same thing as Jesus saying abiding or remaining? Mm-hmm. Continuing? Mm-hmm. Shall we continue in the sin? Right. And then he gives that word mea noia. Strong word. not be. May yeah. it not be. And then he says, or do you not know? You'll know the truth and it'll set you free. Here comes the truth. Now, shall we continue in sin by trying harder? Well, we just went over that. Yeah. You, you can't try any harder than the Apostle Paul did. Right. But he doesn't say, he says, that's the answer. Or do you not know? Isn't that the exact thing Jesus said? You shall know the truth. Mm-hmm. Paul says, don't you know this truth? Yes. You died. How can you live in the sin any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized, identified, is what baptism means, with the death of Christ, were all of us that were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with Christ through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so we also were raised from the dead that we might walk walk in newness newness of of life. life, The life of God. Let let, let me just say that Bill is is quoting Romans 6, 1 through 5. Those were actual Bible verses that we were talking about. You'd be arguing with the Bible, not Bill. Those were Bible verses. Best of my memory. (laughs) Best of your memory. And so Romans 6, 6, knowing this, we're supposed to know it. Here's another truth we're supposed to know. That the old man of us, I think Steve covered this two podcasts ago. Yeah. Knowing this truth, this 
eternal truth that the old man of us was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be rendered powerless. Doesn't mean might, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Mm -mm. It it means it's that word uh, hina. It means I think it means the possibility purpose of. That's it. Say that again. The purpose of for the purpose of yes. So that the body of the sin for the purpose would be rendered powerless. powerless. And then what does it say next? These are the glorious words that tie it right back into John chapter 8. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Okay, here it is. Knowing this, that the old, this fact, that the old man of us was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be rendered powerless in order that we should know longer be slaves to the sin say that again that we should no longer be slaves to the sin say that we should no longer be slaves to say it again brother say it again no longer slaves to the Sin. Amen. Amen. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So abide in His teachings. That's what Paul said. This is my way of life that I teach everywhere in every church, a way of life in Christ Jesus. Not in my human effort, but in the power of Christ Jesus. Jesus. This is what I teach everywhere in every church. This is what the Holy Spirit in me teaches everywhere in every church. Abide in my teachings, Jesus said. Paul said the same thing. Yes. Abiding the way of life in Christ is the form of doctrine that was once and for all trusted to us in Romans 6, 17. And dependency on Jesus Christ to do it through us is what a true disciple does or a disciple that's on target, who knows the truth. Disciple means learner. Yes. And he's learning the teaching. And the teaching is, though you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart this form of teaching. Yes. And he just gave the whole teaching. But he thanked God that though you used to be slaves to the sin, you obeyed. Because he thanked him twice through them. Amen. Uh, Thanks is an order. Yes. And he does it in 5, 6, and chapter 7. Paul does. And God does all this for us all day long. He'll live the Christian life for you. All you have left to do is just say, it's not me doing it, it's God in me doing it. Thanks be to the Lord. Just give him thanks for what he's going to do through you. That's how a true disciple would spend his day, thanking God that he's living not a substandard life, but a life that rises to the level it needs to be lived at. 
That's what it means to enter that rest. Ceasing from your own works. works. Say that again. That's right out of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. Yeah. Last week's podcast. Yes. Enter that. Make every effort to enter that rest. What does that mean, Steve? Rest from your own works. Rest from trying to please God in your own human strength. Just rest from that and begin to depend on God himself to do it through you. That's what Jesus said. God is with me and I'm doing the things that please him. Why? Because God is with him. He's relying on God who's with him to do it for him. And that's Jesus. It wasn't even the activities. It was doing what he saw the father doing in him. He said, I can only say and do what I see the father doing doing. In other words, he sees the Father in him saying and doing these things, and that's what, because he sees himself saying and doing these things. It's the Father in him. That's he why wouldn't do the things even the disciples wanted him to do. In yes. Mark chapter 1, he's healing people right and left. The next, then he, that evening, he goes up to be with the Father and refresh, and the disciples come looking for him the next day. Wanting to chastise him. Everybody's looking for you. Yeah. From from now on, from 8 in the morning till 10 o'clock, you need to be healing people. Then then you need to be feeding the by turning loaves into 5,000 and fish into 5,000 and feeding the, the people. See, it wasn't the activity. It was abiding in what his father was doing, was bearing much fruit. Not you setting the agenda, just resting in what the Father's doing. Resting in what the Spirit is doing inside of you. Being in tune with what the Spirit is is, do, is doing inside of you. That's why it's important to have peace about what the Spirit's activity is. That's why what Jesus always did. He relied on God to do it through him. And he set the example Live by God living through you. That's why he could say to Peter, have I been with you for so long? Don't you know if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? What you see me doing is what you're seeing the Father do in me. And you should imitate me. Live by the power of the Holy Spirit and you will live a model Christian life. I I know for now we've got to kind of shut it down on this podcast, but I think we owe the... Can you kind of try and give it an answer? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the 20th century answer was a true believer acts like Jesus for the most part. If you're not acting like Jesus and living a life like Jesus would live it here on earth, then you're probably not a true believer. You may need a checkup from the neck up. You you should check something out and get in line and live a little straighter than you are doing. That's if you want to be a true disciple. The Bible was showing us that a true disciple is one who's been freed indeed. 
Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. That's what he was teaching at that moment that you're slaves to sin and you need me to set you free. That's why after Paul got a hold of the message, he could say, who will set me free? Because I'm a wretched man in my own human strength. Who will set me free from all this self-effort that I'm doing? Those, those are kind of the difference between what the Bible is saying and teaching and what we were thinking, and this is just us trying to take a stab at what the meaning of a true disciple could be in the 21st century. It, it seems to be a consensus that they would say, yeah, you, you got to toe the line. You got to walk the walk. I would say that definition, the one word I would come up with would be committed. You mm-hmm. have to be a committed Christian. Yes. But the way of life in Christ, I would put it in the one word, dependent. Dependent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dependent or determined is the, the two buzzwords. Either yeah. you live a determined Christian life or you live a dependent Christian life. And I've come to find out that I blossom when I live a dependent Christian life. I wither up and die when I live, try to live a determined Christian life. It just doesn't work for me. In the words of that one great theologian, a man has got to know his limitations. (laughs) Clint Eastwood. (laughs) There you go. That's a good place to get a quote from. The truer statement has never been said. Yeah, yeah. A man has got to know his limitations. Yes, yes. I'll let you close us in prayer on that one, Bill. Okay. Thank you, Father God. Thank you that you've brought us into this rest. Thank you that you are our life, that our life is in you. Thank you for the promise that if we abide in you or remain in you, you remain in us and we bear much fruit. And thank you for the truth in case we're ever tempted to live in human effort that you said apart from you, we can do nothing. I pray that all the guardians of grace out there, all the guard dogs out there, learn and teach this truth that apart from him, we can do nothing, but we can do all things through him who gives us the strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Good night. Good night.